Can you dream of a world immune to cancer? Hello everyone, my name is Nick and I'm the host of the annual live stream for The Cure where content creators and podcasters from around the world join me to raise money for the Cancer Research Institute and Immunotherapy Research, which is training the body's immune system to fight against all forms of cancer. Over the past seven years, thanks to the power of indie podcasters and the indie podcasting community and listeners just like you listening to this right now, we have raised over $90,000. And as I record this now, the eighth annual live stream for The Cure is barreling down upon us really, really quickly in just about two weeks. So join us, please, from May 29th through June 1st for 48 hours of amazing content from people all over the world and help us fight for a world immune to cancer. And I'll return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Thank you so, so much. And together, we can make a difference. I invented post-its. In a world overflowing with movies, we need a hero. Someone to separate the bad from the good. Hi everyone, I'm Anne and welcome to Verbal Diorama episode 124, Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion. This is the podcast that's all about the history and legacy of movies you know and movies you don't. Welcome back and have a Romeo and Michelle day to all of you wonderful returning listeners. And as always a huge welcome to all of the brand new listeners to this podcast. Thank you so much for being here. You are all wonderful and amazing for literally being here listening to this episode and no matter how you found this podcast, I'm so grateful that you did find this podcast, especially for this businesswoman special. October was a really, really busy month for the podcast. I mentioned it in the last episode on GoldenEye. And to be honest, I've actually not been very well at the start of November. So there's been a bit of a switch around when it comes to the schedule and all sorts of stuff like that. I'm going to talk about that later. But I just want to say a huge, huge thank you to everyone who listened to recent episodes. I'm talking about the Halloween episode that I did of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and also the most recent episode on Goldeneye, which was obviously the first time I've ever talked about a Bond movie. Bond has a lot of fans. There's obviously a new movie that came out very recently. I decided to cover Goldeneye and the response was just overwhelmingly brilliant. Turns out a lot of you will be to do more James Bond. So definitely next year, 2022, I will be covering at least one more Bond movie at some point during the year. But as always, I'm so grateful to everyone who listens to any episode, really. But when it came to this episode, whenever I pick an episode, whenever I choose a movie, I genuinely have no idea if that episode is going to be popular. I kind of just pick stuff that I want to do. But Remy and Michelle's High School Reunion has been one of the most requested movies that I think I've ever had on this podcast. And when I announced it on social media, people were just really, really excited. I got so many comments saying, I love this movie. This movie's brilliant. I haven't seen this in ages, but I love it. So I kind of feel like this is one of those real underrated treats of movies that a lot of people have kind of slept on a little bit 
but they remember watching it in the 90s and just really, really enjoying it. This story might be a quote-unquote blonde comedy on paper, but the story also includes Tom Hanks, Quentin Tarantino, The Simpsons and Will Ferrell, as well as a beloved friend and an Oscar winner. So there's a lot going on in this movie. I want to start with the trailer for Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion. Remember the prom? You got so thin by then. I was so lucky getting mono. That was like the best diet ever. Meet Romy and Michelle. Remember that time I barfed from really bad Mexican food? So gross. I hate throwing up in public. Oh, me too. Oh. They walk the walk. God, this underwear is totally riding up my butt. <laughs> they talk the talk. Romy, did you lose weight? Oh. All I've had to eat for the past six days are gummy bears, jelly beans, and candy corn. God, I wish I had your discipline. But at their high school reunion... Are you going? I'd rather put this out in my right eye. Um, okay. <laughs> they'll be in a class by themselves. We can go to the reunion and just pretend to be successful. Oh, my God. From this point on, we are sophisticated, successful career women. Which one of these guys will I have sex with at the reunion? Touchstone Pictures presents... <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> that hurt, but it looked really good. Mira Sorvino. You have absolutely no proof that you're cuter. Okay, who lost their virginity first? Oh, big wow with your cousin Barry. I wouldn't brag about it. Lisa Goudreau. I'm sorry, I couldn't find my top. In a story of the blonde. What does this remind you of? Leading the blonde. Oh, I know. This lady is totally sick. Romy and Michelle's high school reunion. And what are you picking on us for? Anyway, we are not the ones who got fat. We're pregnant, you half-wit. Well... I hope your babies all look like monkeys. <laughs> Best friends since they were children, single and ambitious late 20-somethings, Romy White and Michelle Weinberger are roommates living in Los Angeles, which they see as being a good life compared to the alternative of living in their hometown of Tucson, Arizona. Romy is slightly more aware than perpetually happy Michelle, who has no idea that they were not popular when they were in high school. Their high school life included being the butt of jokes by the A group, led by Christy Masters, Romy being in love with Christy's boyfriend, Jock Billy Christensen, and back brace wearing Michelle being pursued by geek Sandy Frink, which did not sit well with bright but always angry chain-smoking Heather Mooney, who was in love with Sandy herself. When Romy runs into Heather, who is now a successful but still chain-smoking angry woman, Romy discovers that their 10-year reunion from Sagebrush High School in Tucson is upcoming in two weeks. Romy and Michelle decide to go, but Romy believes they have to have the perfect lives to prove to their high school that they are successful. In doing so, Romy and Michelle may put their own friendship to the test to try and become people they are not. As always, we will quickly run through the cast. Mira Solvino as Romy White, Lisa Kudrow as Michelle Weinberger, Janine Garofalo as Heather Mooney, Alan Cumming as Sandy Frink, Julia Campbell as Christy Masters, Vincent Petresca as Billy Christensen, and yes, that is Fun Bobby from Friends, Cameron Mannheim as Toby Walters, Mia Cotet as Cheryl, Elaine Hendricks as Lisa Luda, Kristen Bauer as Kelly, Jacob Vargas as Ramon! Sorry, I had to. <laughs> and Justin Theroux as Clarence, and yes, that is the same Justin Theroux who was married to Lisa Kudrow's ex-castmate Jennifer Aniston. The screenplay of Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion was by Robert Schiff. It was directed by David Merkin and it was based on Ladies Room by Robert Schiff. 
And the story of Romy and Michelle might look fun and fancy free on screen, but it's a longer and more complicated journey than you might think. To start the story, we actually have to go way back to Groundlings, an improvisational and sketch comedy troupe at a school based in Los Angeles, a school that has an incredible alumnus of performers, as well as being the start of many famous characters and stories, including Pee Wee Herman and Elvira Mistress of the Dark. Even Bridesmaids can link its history back to Groundlings because so many of its cast were members of Groundlings. The class register back in the day really is a who's who of Hollywood comedy and improv. Notable past members include Jennifer Coolidge, Will Ferrell, Melissa McCarthy, Kristen Wiig, Maya Rudolph. Even producer J.J. Abrams was a member of the Groundlings Sunday Company. Also a member of the same company was Rita Wilson and Kathy Griffin. They're both going to come back into the story in a bit as well as Lisa Kudrow and writer Robert Schiff. Schiff was writing a sketch at Groundlings, which took place in a woman's bathroom. It was based on her experience at a club called Carlos and Charlie's on Sunset Strip. And in the bathroom of the club, she overheard two women talking, a fairly banal conversation about hair, but noted that these women were complimenting each other on their hair. It might seem a meaningless conversation, but Schiff liked the easy rapport between two girls in a bathroom and set about including them in her sketch. And their names were Airhead 1 and Airhead 2. The sketch would evolve into the play Ladies' Room, which ran between 1987 and 1988. And these characters weren't the leads, just a couple of supporting characters who had a total of seven minutes of stage time. To raise funds for the production of Ladies' Room, both Kathy Griffin and Rita Wilson took roles. At the time, Wilson was dating Tom Hanks, who also had a small role in the play as a man in a bathroom cubicle. Airhead 1 and Airhead 2 were gifted names, Lisa Kudrow played Michelle and Christy Menner was Romy. Kudrow and Menner always got the biggest laughs of the play as Romy and Michelle and designed their characters around Robert Palmer girls with slick back hair, black suits and bright red lips. Ladies Room would evolve further into a TV pilot called Just Temporary in 1989 where the characters now called Nicola Tory, still played by Kudrow and Menner, are hired as office temps by an old school friend. It had a theme song written by Lenny Kravitz and you can find this theme song on YouTube and it was produced by Aaron Spelling. The pilot didn't get picked up, ended up in TV limbo and Robin Schiff thought that her dream was over. A few years later, she was hired to work with Barry Kemp, writer and executive producer and future executive producer of Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion. They ended up working together on a new version of the story and Schiff's agents were sending out copies of the play Ladies Room as a writing sample and this ended up in the laps of Disney executives. The movie Wayne's World had been a huge hit in 1992 for Paramount, and Disney wanted their own take on the material, but focused on a female pairing, and to compete with the more popular, very male-focused comedies. Alex Schwartz, executive at Touchstone Pictures, the more adult offshoot of Disney, went to see the play Ladies' Room and highlighted Romeo and Michelle as the fun characters, and the most interesting characters for a movie. Schiff realised how shallow her characters were and tried to focus on a more rounded idea for a movie. She spitballed Romy and Michelle go to Japan and Romy and Michelle go to college and then got the idea of the characters going back to their high school reunion and it being the first time they realised that their lives aren't good enough and that they actually weren't popular in high school. Schiff pitched the story and a female-driven buddy comedy was born. The search for a director started in earnest and Amy Heckling signed on to direct. She would move on to make her own female-focused movie, Clueless. And this isn't the only link that this movie has to Clueless either. Penny Marshall was also offered the job, as was Betty Thomas. Both passed. And the next director they scouted was someone with zero movie directing experience, but plenty of TV executive experience. 
someone who executive producer Barry Kemp knew from his new heart days, and that was David Merkin. And Merkin was most well known for his work as executive producer, showrunner, producer, consulting producer, and writing on The Simpsons, the longest-running American sitcom, which debuted in 1989, and as of recording this episode, has aired 712 episodes. I seriously doubt that Verbal Diorama will match that. Merkin had been working on The Simpsons for three years and had been said movie scripts in the past, but he felt an immediate connection to these characters and the idea to reminisce about high school, not with the rose-tinted spectacles that so many high school reunion movies did. When it came to casting the leads, Schiff was adamant since the start of development in 1989 that she wanted to retain both Lisa Kudrow and Christy Meller, who were obviously both total unknowns at the time. But as the production progressed and the movie languished in development hell, it became clear that Touchstone would want known names for the leads. In a stroke of luck, for the production and also for Lisa Kudrow, in 1994, she landed the role of Phoebe Buffay on Fred's, a similarly ditzy character to Michelle. Fred's became an instant hit in the autumn of 1994 and propelled its six cast members to instant fame. Kudrow was featured on the cover of Rolling Stone and People within a week of each other, but even Kudrow's fame didn't mean executives were convinced. And they decided to hire a recognised movie actress for the role of Romy. Ginny Garofalo was hired to play Romy, but she felt she didn't really gel with the character and instead preferred the acerbic Heather Mooney. Tony Collette, who David Merkin saw in Muriel's Wedding, was the first choice for Romy, but Collette was unsure on the Valley Girl accent and ended up turning the role down. Mira Solvino, meanwhile, was filming Norma Jean and Marilyn when she learned she was up for an Oscar for her role in Mighty Aphrodite. She received the script from Romy and Michelle and loved it. She had lunch with David Merkin, who really wanted her for the part. And at the time, with her Oscar nomination, Solvino had the choice of any role she wanted. Her agents questioned whether Romy and Michelle was highbrow enough for an Oscar nominee. But Solvino connected with the character, especially as she'd always felt the odd one out at high school and was routinely bullied by the popular girls and understood the universal struggle of the teenage underdog. Her agents, though were depressed and suggested that she declined the part. She was dating Quentin Tarantino at the time and so asked Tarantino to read the script and give her his honest appraisal. He liked the script and Mira Sorbino subsequently went with her gut and signed up to the project after winning the Best Supporting Actress Academy Award in March 1996 for Mighty Aphrodite. And Sorbino's involvement is what really cemented the production going forward. It was Sorbino who recommended the We Don't Give a Fly F what you think, lying to give Romy and Michelle some comeuppance against the mean girls. It was important to her to have the movie be sweet and clumsy and funny, but also have Romy and Michelle be courageous and strong and true to themselves. Even now, she still follows the Romy and Michelle hashtag on Instagram purely because of the fan reaction and popularity that the movie still has. Lisa Kudrow and Mira Sorvino workshopped the characters together and spent a lot of time rehearsing including the famous dance sequence, which they rehearsed for three weeks. They literally spent all of their time together as Romy and Michelle Wood and a natural bond formed between the two women, which lasts to this day. Mira Silvino is not known for her comedic chops, but she admits to being happiest doing comedy and Lisa Kudrow's natural comic timing brought out the comedy in her. Kudrow, for her part, might be known mostly as Ditsy Blonde Michelle, or Ditsy Blonde Phoebe, although I'd argue she has a very, very excellent resume on IMDb. She was actually also pre-med in college and originally set out to become a doctor like her father, who is a physician who became an expert on headaches 
And she also earned a research credit on her father's study on the comparative likelihood of left-handed individuals developing cluster headaches. She's credited on that survey as L.V. Kudrow. Her middle name is Valerie. Lisa Kudrow worked on her father's staff for eight years before breaking into acting. And that's how she knows the formula for glue, because this lady is actually a really, really smart cookie. Do not underestimate Lisa Kudrow. Mira Salvino, daughter of Paul Salvino, adopted a low valley girl drawl based on her sister's way of talking when they were teenagers. For Alan Cumming, Romeo Michelle was the first film he made in the US. At his first casting as an American, he actually thought Tucson was pronounced Tucson, which to be fair, so did I for a very long time until I realised that it's not pronounced phonetically. I suppose it's the same as when American people pronounce towns like Leicester, Leicester, because it looks like Leicester, but it's not Leicester, it's Leicester. And exactly the same thing. So Anna Cumming, I also thought that Tucson was pronounced Tucson. His prosthetic face for the dream sequence was supposedly a mix of all of the hot Hollywood actors at the time, including Brad Pitt's chin. As Michelle is a fashion designer, clothing would be integral to the movie to highlight Romeo and Michelle's unique brand and how they interpret the world. Bringing the costume into life was Mona May, who'd also worked on Clueless. I told you there was another link to Clueless. And she came off the back of the success of Clueless and its iconic fashion to Romy and Michelle. May, like on Clueless, had to be inventive with the limited costume budget she had. Some of the items, such as Romy's silver dress and the Madonna dress, were owned by Mira Solvino herself. Other items were found at thrift stores, as well as designer pieces sold on Melrose Avenue in Los Angeles. Solvino would also specifically request the Star Trek insignia on the blue dress that she wears to the reunion at the end as a nod to her love of the sci-fi show. Originally, Romeo and Michelle was going to be, well, a bit different. The original script contained a dance sequence, but not to Cindy Lauper's Time After Time. It was originally to Staying Alive by the Bee Gees. The dance was choreographed by Smith Words from The Edge, who'd previously worked with Madonna. She would take what Sylvina and Kudrow could already do and elaborate it further. Sylvina had trained in ballet as a child, so they added some PK turns. But the attention was always to choreograph a dance that looked slightly awkward and ungraceful. Back to the original script, which ended with Romeo and Michelle leaving the reunion in Sandy Freak's helicopter. Adding them running a fashion boutique was David Merkin's idea to give them the realisation of their value and to give the audience a satisfactory ending for the characters. Another of Merkin's changes was adding a sombre dance sequence after Romeo stood up by her crush Billy Christensen and Romeo and Michelle dance with each other. He felt it needed more emotional resonance and more natural chemistry between Romy and Michelle. A scene at the reunion featuring a cameo for Will Ferrell was filmed, but cut as his role as a waiter was so funny that it undermined the scene of Romy being called out and taunted by Christy and the rest of the A group. But not all of David Birkin's ideas were good and not all of them ended up in the finished movie. I've spoken about test screenings several times on this podcast. Sometimes test screenings go well, Sometimes test screenings do not. And test screenings of Romy and Michelle's high school reunion were received very poorly. Uh, while David Merkin was assembling his final cut, Touchstone executive Alex Schwartz and other notable executives saw his cut and felt the comedy just wasn't working, that the camera positions weren't working. So they asked Robin Schiff and Barry Kemp to make changes to the first reel. This didn't make David Merkin incredibly happy, but ultimately the decision lay with the studio executives. They didn't like his musical choices either. His soundtrack consisted of heavier rock, which they felt didn't fit the tone of the movie or the characters themselves. Merkin would come back that his choices, such as Iggy Pop, were only temporary choices and that he planned 
to insert some more poppy kind of music. The movie would be reshaped in three weeks, and David Merkin still wasn't brilliantly happy, but understood the way the movie industry worked and that it was mostly a collaborative affair. Once he saw the recut movie, he suggested using a pseudonym as a director cut, but ultimately realised that the final cut of the movie was actually better and that most of his stuff had actually been retained, including his insistence for an R rating and a juicy F-bomb. An endorsement from Carrie Fisher, Gary Shandling and James L. Brooks sealed the deal and calmed Merkin down. And Arthur Fry did in fact invent the post-it. It was not Romy or Michelle or indeed me. And the legacy of Romy and Michelle endures. People dress as the characters for Halloween. Even Jessica Alba did one year. Both Mira Silvino and Lisa Kudrow get the I'm the Mary and you're the Rhoda quote thrown at them. And despite her Oscar win, Mira Silvino remains incredibly proud of the characters and their enduring popularity and the universal themes of friendship and being true to yourself. It's dated in some ways because everyone has a mobile phone nowadays, not so much in 1997, you kind of had to be there. But in others, it remains timeless. This is a movie that Meryl Streep is a fan of. Mike Nichols is a fan of this movie. And even after making Romeo and Michelle and winning an Oscar, Mira Solvino was still afraid to go back to her own high school reunion because of those bullies that she endured. These girls would eventually reach out to Solvino, not to apologise, but literally because she was an Oscar-winning actor. She would return with Robin Schiff for a prop screening for the 20th anniversary in 2017 and received a three-minute standing ovation. Back in the episode that I did on Jennifer's body, the wonderful Helen O'Hara and I talked a little bit about Mira Sorvino as it pertained to the Harvey Weinstein case because Mira Sorvino was one of the actresses who came forward and said, basically, me too, against Harvey Weinstein. And Harvey Weinstein essentially blacklisted her career in Hollywood since then. And that's why it looks like Mira Sorvino was really big in the 90s and then literally pretty much disappeared from the movie industry. And looking back at movies like Romeo and Michelle kind of makes me even more angry that Harvey Weinstein had the power to take this incredibly brilliant woman and literally make her disappear from the public eye. Because we need Mira Solvino in more movies. And I don't know what she's doing now. I'll be completely honest. I've not seen her in anything. But I really hope that the doors start opening for Mira Solvino to come back and, you know, have the career that she actually really deserves because she's brilliant in this movie, as is Lisa Kudrow. They are both incredible in this movie, but I kind of have to highlight Mira Solvino just purely for the fact that I'm pretty certain that that woman went through hell with Harvey Weinstein, as did so many women go through hell with that man. There was also a movie that came out the same year as this in 1997. It's called Mimic. I actually only saw it very recently, but Mira Solvino is in that. It is a Guillermo del Toro movie. And, you know, I'm a big fan of that guy as well. But again, Mira Solvino is great in that movie. So let's give all of the props and all of the love and all of the support to Mira Solvino and basically any woman who's been affected by Harvey Weinstein. These are the women that really, really deserve and need to be elevated in Hollywood and to, you know, if they want to start their careers up again, they should absolutely get the opportunity to do so. So anyway, <laughs> I've got to work back a little bit, but... Moving on, we're going to move on to the obligatory Keanu reference. Now, this is a part of the podcast where I try and link the movie them featuring with Keanu Reeves. And there might be a slight similarity between Romeo and Michelle and Bill and Ted. But quite honestly, I did not have a thing. I did not have a thing. I did not have a thing. I was very much in love with him. Very much in love. And there's a difference. There's a difference. There's a difference. 
<laughs> I love the quotes in this movie. There's so many amazing quotes in this movie. And this is a movie known for its music as well. As soon as the movie starts, you have no doubt it's just a girl in the opening. Two obviously iconic Cindy Lauper's Time After Time. The music budget alone was $1 million. And licensing Time After Time cost the production $240,000 just on its own. Getting No Doubt on the soundtrack ended up being a total coup as the band were relative unknowns and they hadn't broken into the mainstream, but they were more edgy rock than the studio wanted. They agreed on Just a Girl for the soundtrack and then, after that agreement, No Doubt hit the big time. When the studio realised, they wanted more No Doubt, but by that point the deal was done and could be changed and they ended up getting themselves an absolute bargain. The soundtrack wasn't without issues though, Due to copyright issues, several songs that feature in the film do not appear on either soundtrack album. Songs omitted include Just a Girl by No Doubt, YMCA by The Vintage People, Addicted to Love by Robert Palmer, Time After Time by Cindy Lauper, Ain't No Love Ain't No Use by Sub Sub featuring Melanie Williams, Footloose by Kenny Loggins, Hello Trouble by The Desert Rose Band, Don't Get Me Wrong by The Pretenders and Have a Good Time by The Tanawar Crew. An original soundtrack was released in 1997 followed by more music from the motion picture four months later. A double features reissue followed shortly after that. So, on the 11th of April 1997, Gross Point Blank, a movie also about a high school reunion that is also kind of about a trend killer as well, but it's mostly about a high school reunion starring John Cusack and Minnie Driver was released in the US. Two weeks later, on the 25th of April 1997, Romy and Michelle's high school reunion debuted in US cinemas where it opened at number two against the movie Volcano. And to be honest, Romeo and Michelle would end up doing roughly the same amount of money as Gross Point Blank. Romeo and Michelle grossed $29.2 million to Gross Point Blank's $28 million. And both are now considered cult favourites. And both are also available on Disney Plus here in the UK. Romeo and Michelle's budget was $16 to $18 million, according to David Merkin. So a $29 million gross isn't brilliant. But like most cult favourites, Romeo and Michelle had a huge audience on home video through VHS rentals and word of mouth. And I think that kind of goes back to what I said at the start of this episode. People are so excited that I'm doing Romeo and Michelle because it is that movie that you saw on video in the late 90s that you rented on VHS and that you just absolutely adored. And critics actually like this movie, which is bizarre. If you think about comedy movies, a lot of critics tend to steer clear of comedy. Siskel and Ebert gave the movie two thumbs up, and Janet Maslin from the New York Times also gave the movie a great review. It currently sits at 73% on Rotten Tomatoes. A sequel to Romeo and Michelle had been discussed in the late 90s, had been mooted around Romeo and Michelle getting married or getting divorced, but Romeo and Michelle's high school reunion simply didn't make enough money for Disney to even consider it. Instead, a prequel television film, Romeo and Michelle in the Beginning, starring Catherine Heigl as Michelle and Alexandra Breckenridge as Romy, written and directed by Robert Schiff, premiered on ABC Family on May 30th, 2005. A musical premiered at Seattle's Fifth Avenue Theatre in 2017, and this was restructured narratively and revisioned to include an all-female band for its Broadway debut, originally slated for 18th of March 2020, but postponed due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Written by Robin Schiff and directed by Rock of Ages director Kristen Hanji, Romeo and Michelle the Musical holds industry presentations next week. As of recording this episode on the 14th and 15th of October 2021, it stars Brittany Johnson as Romy and Liana Ray Concepcion as Michelle. But enough about what I think. 
about this movie. What does everyone else think? And I'm going to move over to social media thoughts. And I'm going to start with the patrons of this podcast. And I'm going to start with Andy. And Andy says, There isn't a whole lot about Remy and Michelle's high school reunion that you probably haven't already said. So I'll ask this question. Why haven't they been turned into a Broadway musical yet? I think, much like when the wedding singer came to the stage, it could work as a time capsule piece where the songs are all original but take inspiration from the hits of the mid-80s. Imagine, if you will, the scene where Romy is baking sex with Ramon to a song that sounds a lot like Miami Sound Machine's Conga, or a touching time after time homage at the end where Romy and Michelle and Sandy get their revenge dance. It would totally work, and I'm ready and available to start workshopping it. And I did actually send Andy a link to the musical, because obviously he hasn't listened to this episode yet, so he doesn't know that there is actually a musical that is going to be coming out on Broadway very, very soon. But obviously, if the Broadway musical is listening and they do want someone to assist, I mean, Andy would be a fantastic person to have in your presentation, as well as advise on Romeo and Michelle, clearly. So uh, absolutely, the Romeo and Michelle team should get in touch with Andy. Uh, and to get in touch with Andy, you basically need to follow his podcast, which is Geek Salad. They are literally a one-stop shop for everything about geek, your movies, your music, your comic books, your games, your food, everything that geeks love is all available on Geek Salad. And you should absolutely check out the podcast. I will, as always, put some information in the show notes. We also have a Patreon comment from Griff who said, Very fun film. Had it on VHS. Not seen it in years, but remember the Heaven on Earth dance scene. Must go back and watch this one again. And you absolutely must, Griff, because as I say, it's on Disney+. Plus, so... No excuses if you've got Disney+. Plus. You should absolutely watch it. And you should absolutely listen to Griff's podcast too. He hosts the Paul and Griff show with his friend Paul. They talk all about movie news, trivia. They talk about current releases. They're actually doing something at the moment called Project 99, which is looking exclusively at the movies of 1999, which is genuinely, in my opinion, the best year for movies ever. There's a lot to enjoy over on the Paul and Griff show. So again, I'll put some info in the show notes for them. And final patron comment is from Kristen. And Kristen just simply says, This performance deserved an Oscar for her. And this is based on the gif that I put up of Mira Sorvino faking sex with Ramon. And absolutely, Mira Sorvino deserved an Oscar for that. Give Mira Sorvino all of the Oscars for all time. And Kristen actually also hosts a podcast. And her podcast is called So I'm Watching This Show. And basically, her and Will... And occasionally Rachel as well. They basically look at all sorts. So they do film, they do TV, they do YouTube videos. I don't know a podcast that works as hard as these guys do because they put out two or three episodes a week of quality movie reviews and content. Again, I'm going to put a link in the show notes for someone watching this show. But Kristen actually also has another podcast. She hosts a podcast with Trevor. And it's called Another Buffy Podcast. I am a huge fan of Buffy. So I'm actually going to put information for so much in the show and also for Another Buffy Podcast because I'm so excited when Kristen and Trevor said they were going to do a Buffy podcast. So absolutely listen to so much in the show. Listen to Another Buffy Podcast as well. Moving over to Twitter. So we're going to start with at Film Effect Pod, who said, I remember 1987 very well. It was the year I, Ed, invented post-its. I'm not sure if you were thinking 1997 there, Ed. But again, someone else who invented post-its. Thank you so much. At a nightmare pod said, I love this film. It's one that gets watched every year. Romy's speech to Christy, mic drop. 
I invented post-its. Thank you, Lorraine, for inventing post-its. At Tanner Helps said, I invented post-its. Thank you, Tanner, for also inventing post-its. And that nerd revert said, I invented post-its. Jason, thank you for inventing post-its. I did actually ask for people to comment and say they invented post-its. Moving over to Instagram, at Friendly Sparpod said, I'm just here to say that I invented post-its. Thank you so much for inventing post-its. No comments over on Facebook, but a huge thank you to everyone who invented post-its. Thank you for inventing post-its. And thank you for commenting on this episode. Intelligence is often measured on test results, grades, degrees, but intelligence takes many forms. Academic intelligence is one form and encompasses things like logical and mathematical intelligence, but there's also emotional intelligence, societal intelligence, spatial intelligence, inter and intrapersonal intelligence, naturalistic intelligence and linguistic intelligence. There's probably more, but I'm not academically intelligent enough to list them. The point I'm trying to make is that intelligence can never be measured on one point of reference. While Romy and Michelle might not be academically gifted, the confidence that they have within their relationship shows a level of interpersonal intelligence as well as their gifts for fashion. I resent, actually, that they're called dumb or ditzy or stupid because stupid is a stupid does and that's another movie, but movies purely focusing on the platonic relationships between women are few and far between. Most buddy movies, especially buddy road trip movies, are two guys. And women's relationships with women are so incredibly important to women. Romy and Michelle are made for each other in that they build each other up as much as they tear each other down. Michelle not realising they were unpopular in high school isn't because she's dumb. It's because she was smart enough to not care about the opinions of others. We are, I think all of us, guilty of not feeling enough. That maybe we could be smarter, funnier, more attractive. Or maybe we've not had the life we expected to have. And most of us are certainly guilty of humble bragging online about the new sports car we just got or that little Timmy did it poo in the toilet for the first time at six weeks old. We want people to be impressed with our lives. And while high school reunions are a relic of bygone days, mostly because if we want to know what our high school chums are doing now, we can just log on to Facebook or Instagram. We still all get that feeling of inadequacy comparing our lives to others. And why does Romeo and Michelle's high school reunion endure? Because you care about these characters and you want them to succeed at what they're actually good at, being friends and having fun. Romeo and Michelle's aspirations might be small, but it's okay to be happy with your lot in life. Their dreams may be small, but their fantasies are big and bold. This movie might suggest they're dumb, but it also suggests they're better together and that they don't need to be fixed. That other people are the problem. And honestly, other people are the problem. And I'm not just talking about this movie, I'm talking about generally. Other people are the problem. But really, Romy says it best. We should give a flying f what other people think. We should just wear our brightly coloured clothes and enjoy the life we have. Because like Romy and Michelle, success is measured by how we think of ourselves. Thank you for listening. As always, I'd love to hear your thoughts on Romy and Michelle's high school reunion. If you have enjoyed this episode, Please take a moment to help Verbal Diorama grow and be noticed by others by leaving a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or Podchase or wherever you found this podcast. Actually, you can also retweet or like posts on social media, social media handles coming up in a bit, or you could simply just tell a friend or a family member about this amazing podcast that you just listened to. I mean mine, not another one. Please tell them about mine. 
if you like this episode specifically on Romeo and Michelle's high school reunion, you might also like one of the previous episodes that I've done. I'm going to recommend episode 21, Legally Blonde, because... Duh, obviously. It's also a story about believing in yourself and basically quashing society's expectations of what it means to be A, a woman and B, a blonde woman. Legally blonde, I still feel like, although it may have aged slightly when it comes to things like fashion, I feel like Legally Blonde is, like Romy and Michelle, one of those enduring comedy classics simply because it's about a woman who really genuinely believes in herself. And there's not enough movies out there that have women front and centre who genuinely believe in their abilities the way that Elle Woods believes in her abilities. But what? Like, it's hard? Episode 37, Clueless. Because there's so many links between this movie and Clueless that I could not not recommend that you listen to Clueless. I love that movie with all of my heart. And it is the perfect viewing partner for this movie as well. And so 51 is a little bit of a curveball because it is more of a romantic comedy movie. But again, it's really, really underrated and it's really funny. And that is Down With Love, which came out in 2005. It stars Ewan McGregor and Renee Zellweger. And it's basically a pastiche of the no-sex comedies of the 60s. And it's so much fun and so many people don't know about it. So absolutely check out Down With Love. And finally, episode 87, Josie and the Pussycats, because it's more Alan Cumming. Who doesn't want more Alan Cumming in their life? We've done Alan Cumming last episode. We're doing Alan Cumming again. And I'm recommending more Alan Cumming because Josie and the Pussycats is ridiculously underrated. It did really badly at the time. And it absolutely 100% is so socially relevant nowadays. And it is just brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Please check out Josie and the Pussycats. As always, give me feedback. Let me know what you think of my recommendation. So the next episode is a slight change in the schedule because as I mentioned, I've not been very well recently. And that means a bit of a switcheroo. The episode that was going to be next actually jumps to two weeks time. And the episode that was going to be in two weeks comes back. Basically because it's already been recorded and it's another guest episode. Now I don't have guests very often, but joining me is a man who used to be a movie podcaster. He was one of the hosts of Epic Film Guys for many years. He now hosts his own cooking podcast, Nikolai's Kitchen, as well as the annual live stream for the Cure charity event to raise money for cancer research. It's Nick Haskins. I'm joking. It is Nick Haskins. Nick is kind of a big deal. And I adore that man. And not only do I have Nick, we are actually talking about Anchorman. And 60% of the time, it's a movie that works every time. So please come back next week where Nick and I will be talking about Anchorman. You can follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Verbal Diorama. If you want to support the show financially, you can go to verbaldiorama.com slash Patreon. As always, a huge thank you to the patrons of this podcast. I could not do what I do without the support of these amazing people. Simon E, Sade, Hardy L, Claudia, Simon B, Laurel, Derek, Jason, Kristen, Kat, Andy, Mike, Griff, Luke, Emily, Michael, Scott, Mark, Brendan, Ian, Lisa, Sam, Will, Jack, and Dave. I'm the Mary and you're the Rhoda. No, I'm the Mary. I'm the Mary. <laughs> I love this movie. I have a merch store. It's verbaldiorama.com slash merch. You can also email me if you want verbaldiorama at gmail.com or you can go to verbaldiorama.com and say hi. Pop over to filmstories.co.uk. There is a new issue of the magazine coming soon. It includes my 20th column. Can you believe I have 20 columns in a magazine? And also 
check out the website, filmstory.co.uk, and you will find articles that I write every week. And finally, I've always, always, always wanted to do this, and I'm going to do it. Oh, I'm remote. <laughs> I can't do it. Uh, okay. Okay, I'm not going to start at the beginning. You are Columbus and I am America. Discover me, Ramon. Just discover me. Explosions. The earth is moving. Is that an earthquake? No, it's Ramon. Ah, it's Ramon. Oh, Ramon, your penis is so powerful. I'm coming. Okay, that's good off me now. Bye. Movie Chanel.